Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I'm having fun this morning. Anybody else having fun this morning? I'm having fun this morning. Um, I'm so excited to preach, uh, but I'm not going to. So, oh, at least one person was sad. Everybody else was like, I've been waiting for that. I'm getting my nap. Um, I, I am going to share with you just for about maybe 15 minutes this morning um, some, some observations out of a devotional. Uh, it'll feel like a devotional. And then uh, we're going to spend our last little bit of time together doing some family business. And um, for those of you who get nervous when you hear things like family business, it's good family business, not bad family business. Nobody stole any money, nobody's getting fired, and nobody's in trouble. All right? Listen, I've learned that when I tell people, like, hey, can we get together? The second thing I have to say almost every time is, you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. Right? Caden, am I lying? (laughs) He's not lying. So nobody's in trouble. God's doing great things. All right. I'm using up all of my time, so here we go. Uh, here's, I just want to share a couple of observations uh, out of a story I've been reading uh, this week. Can I do that? I'm going to do it anyway, so thanks for the permission. All right, this is a story of Peter and Jesus and a storm. It's found in Matthew 14. I'm going to read verses 22 through 33. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Such a good story. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed up into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. A little bit of context here. Uh, They have just finished the feeding of the 5,000. If you remember that story, uh, there were 5,000 men, also women and children. They fed them with two fish, um, five loaves, and when they were done, there was an abundance left over. There were 12 baskets that were full. When they get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where they're headed, there will be another miracle where Jesus uses them to feed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. What's my point? They're traveling from one miracle to another miracle, but they don't know it yet. Sometimes the journey from miracle to miracle leads through a storm. That's this story. One amazing miracle of provision and then healing and deliverance, a massive storm, and then another miracle of healing, deliverance, and then provision. If the journey, if the road from miracle to miracle does in fact lead through a storm, what this story teaches us is that you can be confident Jesus will meet you there. This is not the first time they've experienced a storm that they thought that was going to take them down. There was the storm in Matthew 8, but what's very different about this storm is Jesus is not in the boat with them, but Jesus is on the way. If you feel this morning like you're going through a storm, let me say to you, Jesus is always on his way, even if you don't see it. 
So they finished this massive miracle of feeding the 5,000. It says immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. He goes up. He wanted some alone time. He climbs a mountain. He spends time with Jesus, with, with the Father. Excuse me. So he's got some time praying. Verse 23 says, when evening came, he was there alone. <clears throat> what does that tell us? It tells us that the disciples set off across the Sea of Galilee while it was still daylight. And as they are journeying toward their destination, the sun begins to go down and it gets darker and darker. Have you ever been on the way to a place you feel like Jesus told you to go and as you're getting there, it seems like it's getting darker and darker? This is not where they want to be as the sun goes down. And as this story takes place, it says they were a considerable distance from land. The Gospel of John tells us they are nine and a half miles into their journey. They are past the point of no return. They are fully committed to go where Jesus has sent them to go, and the wind begins to blow. And the winds, um, excuse me, the waves begin to rise. And this this is not just a normal, hey, you know, it's a little windy in Lompoc kind of storm. The language that's used here says, when it says they were buffeted by the waves, that Greek word means harassed. It means tormented. It's the same word that a demon used in Luke chapter 8 when he said to Jesus, are you here to torture me before the appointed time? So these guys aren't a little stressed, and they aren't kind of having a bad day. They are in it for real, and they are in it all the way. Have you ever felt yourself in that place? Buffeted by the wind, buffeted by the waves while you're doing exactly what Jesus told you to do. God, I've been obedient. God, I'm doing what you told me to do. This is not what I expected the outcome to be. I'm wet, I'm cold, I'm afraid, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it all the way. What happened? You, I would love to hear the dialogue in the boat at this point in time. Like, Peter, he told you we were supposed to go? Are you sure you understood him? John, did anybody else hear Jesus say this is where we were? Because when you find yourself in a storm, you begin to question whether or not you really heard Jesus. Because there is this thing in our Western thinking that coaches us to believe if we are in a storm, we are somehow out of God's will. They are exactly where Jesus told them to be, but they are not experiencing what they were hoping to experience. But let me tell you something about storms especially if you find yourself in one this morning. Storms are fertile ground for a miracle. Because when we're in a storm like the kind of storm they were in, only Jesus is going to get us through. Verse 25 says, during the fourth watch of the night, means between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It's the darkest part of the night. And these guys have been fighting the wind and they have been fighting the waves for nine hours. They're exhausted. And we think of Peter, James, and John, and we're like, they're fishermen. They're great. Listen, Matthew was an office worker. Matthew was a tax collector. What do you think's going through that guy's mind right now? Like, at least these guys know a little bit. Maybe it was better. Like, Peter, James, and John are probably like, guys, we are in serious trouble. And Matthew doesn't know boats. He was probably like, yeah, whatever. Guys like Matthew are just trying to follow Jesus, and, and he's finding himself way, and I mean way outside of his element cold, tired, wet, afraid, maybe wondering, where is Jesus? Why are we in a storm again? Miracles in their past. 
And we know as we read, there are miracles in their future. But in this moment, church, there is just a storm. But in the middle of that storm, Jesus shows up. But he doesn't show up the way any of them expected him to come. He's walking on the water. And so they see through the wind and the rain like the outline of someone coming near them, and they start freaking out. Like if the waves weren't going to take us down and the wind wasn't going to take us down, now we have a ghost to contend with. There is a spiritual being that is coming. I mean, this is like Lord of the Rings on steroids. They don't recognize him. Why don't they recognize him? Because people don't walk on water. Guys, sometimes we may not recognize that God is at work because we don't, we've never seen the way he is working in that moment. Sometimes God is doing something new. Sometimes God is doing something unfamiliar. Sometimes he is actively engaged in answering our prayers because you better believe those disciples were praying. But not in the way we expect the prayer to be answered. Jesus was about to do something way more cool than calming the storm, which is what they would have probably all been praying for. Jesus is always on the way. He's always on the way. But the way he is moving in response to our prayer may not be the way we expect it. I would say Jesus is probably fully engaged in meeting you in your storm right now. But if you're looking for him to answer the way he's answered before, you may not recognize what he is wanting to do in this moment. Remember, this is the same God that tells us through the prophet Isaiah, uh, excuse me, the book of Revelation, behold, I am making all things new. God isn't stuck in a rut. God is up to something new in you at LFC and in our community. And so one of my prayers for us as a church family is, God, may we recognize what you are doing when you are doing it. And so Jesus, sensing their fear, it says immediately. That word immediately is at least three times in that story. Jesus senses their fear. Immediately he calls out to them. But he doesn't calm the storm. I'm like, Jesus, there's a super easy way for you to fix the problem. Do what you did in Matthew 8. Rebuke the wind. Rebuke the waves. Everything's calm and we're good. But the storm is still raging. But Jesus is in the storm with you. He can calm the storm. He will calm it. He, he does calm it in just a minute. But there's something that he's going to teach them through this experience. Not simply that he has mastery over the elements, mastery over the storm. He's already shown them that in the first storm. And when they saw it, do you remember they were left with a question? Who is this? Even the winds, even the waves obey him. At the end of this story, it says, those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. That's where this is leading. It's to a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation of who Jesus is and who Jesus is for them. So verse 28, this is like my favorite Sunday school story as a kid. And every time the teacher would tell this story, they would just beat the snot out of Peter. 
right? Yeah, Peter doesn't have any faith. Peter took his eyes off Jesus. Don't be Peter. I'm like, he's the only one getting out of the boat. I want to be like Peter. Waves are crashing, wind is blowing, but Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, call me. I'm going to come to where you are. Because Peter seems to understand that the safest place in the storm isn't in a boat. It's with Jesus. My boat may go down. I'm pretty sure Jesus is going to be okay. So Jesus, I'm coming to where you, where you are. It's the fisherman that says, I'm not trusting the boat. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm reading this this week, and I, and I have this thought. I want to share it with you. Especially if you've seen God do amazing things in the past, you're believing for some things in the future, and you're in a storm right now, it may be time to start, stop bailing out your boat and start walking toward Jesus. I'll say that to you again. It may be time to start bailing out, stop bailing out the boat and start walking toward Jesus. Stop fixating on what might go down, on what you might lose, and listen to hear Jesus say, come. Because he is always calling. He is always drawing us near. That's always his invitation. Come to where I am. He could have said, storm be still. But he said, Peter, come here. Let's walk through this storm together. There's safety where I am. Scripture says that in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Jesus said, if you're weary and heavy burdened, if you need rest for your soul, what does he say to do? Come to me. Come to me. And so there's a sense in which I think Peter did take his eyes off the storm in that moment and say the best place for me in the wind and the waves is where Jesus is. But sometimes, church, we're yelling help so loudly that we can't hear Jesus say, come here. God, my boat's going down. God, the waves are too big. God, they're saying there's cutbacks at work. God, I've got, I, I owe money to the, God, 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 help me, help me, help me. And Jesus is saying, come here. John, come here. Because there's safety where I am. Come be with me. Come spend time. God, you don't understand. I can't. I got to pick up an extra shift. My kid's going to fail out of school. We're sick. We're this. We're that. And Jesus is saying, John, come. Because in that moment, it's not about the storm. It's about realizing that he truly is the Son of God. And whenever I am in the presence of the Son of God, I am safe. So Peter jumps out of the boat, starts really well, and thank you Sunday school teachers for teaching me this. He does look away from Jesus. He starts looking at the waves again. He gets really scared, loses focus, and he becomes afraid, and he starts to sink because our faith will often follow our focus. This is why it's so important to hear Jesus say come and then to move toward where he is. When I look at Jesus, I find peace. When I look at Jesus, I find hope. When I look at Jesus, I find joy. When I look at CNN, BBC, or any other news channel, I'm like, the sky is falling and we're all going to die tomorrow. I used to open my phone and read the news before I got out of bed. You want to start your day freaked out and depressed, you do that too. Like, news before Jesus is a really bad way to go. But here's the good news. I got to close here in just a second. 
when Peter started sinking, I love this about Peter, and I'd never seen this quite this way before. He didn't turn back toward the boat. Like if I step out of a perfectly good boat and I start to sink, I'm swimming straight back to the boat. Peter looks at Jesus and he goes, help. Best prayer you can ever pray. Help. He knew even in that moment where his help was coming from. And then the word immediately again. God's just waiting for the invitation. Immediately, Jesus reaches out, takes hold of Peter. My faith may follow my focus, but God is even bigger than my faith. And in those moments where I'm like the guy going, God, I believe, help me in my unbelief, God goes, okay, let me grab your hand. Pulls Peter up, and he holds him there. Peter was never in danger of drowning. He just thought that he was. And I understand that fear. He thought that he was. Everything he had experienced in his life up to that moment would suggest to him nine and a half miles from shore in a hurricane if you get out of your boat and start to sink your dead meat. But he was perfectly safe, as are you. And Jesus says to Peter, again, like in Matthew 8, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? What's going on there? I don't think Jesus is chastising Peter and saying, why didn't you believe you had the ability to walk on water? I think he was saying, Peter, why did you forget that I have the ability to keep you here? Because the implication is, I sent you here, Peter. I sent you here. I will not allow this storm to take you down. And as you faithfully follow Jesus into whatever he has set before you, it may well lead through a storm, but you are not in danger of going down because it is Jesus who has sent you there. Church, there is no safer place to be than in the place of obedience. Jesus said, come. Peter said, okay. I don't think I've got this. I'm going down. And Jesus said, I got you. We're good. And it, it blows my mind that they are having this conversation standing on the water in the middle of the storm. It doesn't say they got back in the boat and had a nice convo. Like, I'm sinking, and suddenly I'm not sinking again. Why? Because I called out to Jesus, and he met me. And I'm finding myself living in the miracle of his protection and provision in the middle of a storm. Then they get back in the boat. And it says, verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I don't know if that's awesome or mean. <laughs> but then those who were in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus could have done this at any point, at absolutely any point. But he chose this engagement this way, that his disciples might understand that he doesn't just have control over circumstances, that he is, in fact, God himself. And that every head must bow, every knee must bend, every tongue must confess, must acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, Jesus will allow storms, but he will never allow them to rage beyond his control. If you're going through a storm this morning, don't think that God's absent. You can experience a miracle 
while the storm is still going on. John tells us that they get in the boat and immediately they're at the other shore. Jesus gets out of the boat, casts out demons, heals the sick, feeds 4,000 people. Because God is always moving and God is always working, I think we are always on a journey from one moment, one encounter, one miraculous moment to another. I believe that for you this morning. You are on your way, you are on a journey to experience God doing something that you can't do on your own. And if you face a storm in the middle of it, God will not allow that storm to take you down, provided you are living in a place of obedience. If you're not living in a place of obedience, then we've got storms and giant whales and Jonah. That's a different story. But even there, God provides a way. We're often not able to appreciate how God's working in the storm until the storm's over. But he is always working. I, I want to pray for you this morning, especially if you, if you find yourself with the wind blowing and the waves raging. Church, I believe God is up to some amazing things. And they won't always go uncontested. And so as you are doing your best to faithfully follow Jesus and finding yourself in a storm, he is in that storm Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your protection, your provision, and your direction. God, I, I, I want to pray words of comfort, but more words of faith over those of us who are experiencing high seas right now. God, we want to look not to what is happening around us, but to the God who is walking toward us in the middle of the storm. And though the wind may rage and the waves may buffet, your promise is that as we come to you, we find rest for our souls. Lord, I would ask as a pastor and a friend that the storm would stop soon. But Lord, let us learn what we need to learn about your faithfulness as we wait for the storm to stop. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That is the shortest thing you will ever hear me say to you. We were all there together. We will mark this moment as the day John finished in 20 minutes, which was supposed to be 15. Shame on me. Can we switch focus for just a second? Again, I'm going to do it whether you say yes or not. So if you want to feel good about yourself, go, oh, yeah. Um, family business. Guys, we're going to be doing some spring cleaning. Uh, Pastor Caden said that there's, a, there's a, a Saturday in a couple weeks where we're going to be doing some spring cleaning on a campus. Um, we're going to be doing some spring cleaning on our database as well over the next couple of weeks. And let me tell you just quickly why this is important. Um, we want to be able to care well for you, and we want to be able to communicate well with you. And, and we've had all of our information housed in an Excel spreadsheet for the last little while, and, and there have been times where I've wanted to reach out to somebody. We've maybe had a conversation like, hey, I need to call Courtney. And we go to the database, and I've got three Courtneys and four different phone numbers. And I'm like, I really want to care for Courtney this morning, but I'm going to have to work my way through three people who aren't Courtney before I can get to her. So we just, we just want to clean that up. And um, we're working on developing a new website, and we're going to be able to house our registrations on that website. And so what we're, what we're doing is we're taking a few minutes today, a few minutes next week, to really expedite things moving forward as a church family. And we're not, we're not asking for any information that you don't want to give, right? So in a minute, I'm going to tell you that there are people outside to help you. If any of them ask for your social security number or the last four digits of the credit card on file, walk away. Uh, call the safety team. We're going to sort that person out. Uh, and we won't share your information without your permission. 
And what that means is if somebody calls the office and says, hey, I want to talk to Courtney, can I, can I have her number? Our commitment to you is, well, let me see. And I'm going to call Courtney and say, hey, can Caden have your number? And if Courtney says, I would rather you don't give that information out, then I will say, hey, why don't you look for Courtney on a Sunday morning? That's probably the best way for you to connect. We, uh, we live in an age where information is sacrosanct. And, and we want to work really hard to protect and preserve yours, even as we want to be able to care well for you. Um, so if you're, if you're part of our church family and you want to be well cared for, this, this is really going to help. Um, practically, what does that mean? It means there are five people outside at tables with computers. And when we dismiss in approximately 67 seconds, um, if you would like to verify that the information that we have on file for you is indeed accurate, you just need to stop by the, com- the computer. They've, put, they've already migrated all of our information, so they're going to go, oh, Courtney Slicester, do you still live at? Is your phone number still? Uh, some of you guys in our database have, I think, something like 37 or 38 kids. Um, so they may actually ask you, is this truly your household, or are you just abundantly blessed? And... If you're abundantly blessed, we're, we're going to pray hard for you because I had two and that was tough. So, um, so we, just, we were intentionally wanting to make this easy on you, so we were going to close our service a little bit early so we could hang out and have fun talking. Uh, I had so much fun talking in the greeting time that I wasn't where I was supposed to be when you guys started highlights. I'm like, oh, I'm still talking to these guys over here. So some of us are going to hang out and talk. Others of us are just going to walk right out that door um, to those tables. They are ready for you. And... I don't know if I've, I've, I've probably, have you ever done this in church before? Ended a service early, so we get up to, I've never done it either. So congratulations. So my shortest message, and the first time that we've ever just said, hey, we're going to have a database party, uh, both kind of weird, um, but sometimes family just has to do family business to make sure we can take care of family well, right? Can I bless you as we go? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.